Welcome back guys, it's Mountain Meditations. So we are in our season of Meet the Guinea Pigs. Um, and as you know, this is us just trying new things, recording the process, recording the results, and then we share it with you guys. And so today, what were we doing for the past few weeks, Tristan? Uh, we were learning how to play chess. Well, yeah. I, I was learning how to play chess specifically. Chris, uh, you said you played a lot when you were younger, and then you stopped, yes. or...? Yes, I played as a child, and then it kind of got, you know, it's not something that you really keep up unless you focus on actually keeping it up, yeah. because most people don't just sit down and go, hey, let's play chess, you know, that doesn't really happen. Yeah, fair enough. So. Uh, I, I didn't know how any of the pieces moved until, like, two weeks ago. Right. I have never, have never played before. Um, yep. I think, I think my younger brother played at was in the chess club in elementary school mm -hmm. and i yeah other than that i never played with him yeah well uh, so that's what we practiced for the last few weeks and we for me it was mostly practicing on like getting better because yeah i knew the basics i knew the fundamentals but i didn't even know what an opening was like i didn't know that there was so much more i always figured that you know chess is a very complicated game i knew that there was yeah. more to it i just didn't realize how far the rabbit hole went and the more i learned the more i realized i didn't know anything which is how it works in the typical dunning kruger yeah. fashion but um what i think and one thing i wanted to note is that we we were very limited on time for this so you know we're still obviously beginners you don't change that in the span of like three weeks you don't just become a non-beginner like we're still beginners we're still trying to figure out the game so go easy on us, especially when you watch our matches together and we both blunder. It, it was we, literally my first game. Yeah, it was Tristan's first game against a human being. Like, go easy on him. But for me, literally having the easiest checkmate of my life in front of me and not being able to finish that, you, you, can, you can roast me for that one. But um, So what Fair we're going to talk about is... I think, I think, so chess is just like any other skill and then it seems like you need to grind and play as much as possible to gain awareness of the situations that you have to look for because the situations for really good players become sort of, um, it's not something that they have to totally focus on when they're in the game. They can focus on other things, but there are a lot of things that they can see that they've been in this situation before. For example, there's this guy named um, Ben Feingold who I've been watching a lot of. And um, most of you, if you're watching this, you probably know who Ben Feingold is. But anyways, basically he talked um, about all these different situations and he has such a good memory. He could literally look at a chessboard and be like, oh, this is what these two grandmasters played in you know, 1994 or whatever. And you're like, how do you know that? Like, what, what is wrong with you? But anyways, um, it's not something that you can study in just a few weeks and just like pick up. Like, this is something people practice for lifetimes. And so, yeah. the, talking about one of the biggest concepts that I learned is that just how practiced everyone is. Like, when I watch the, the Magnus Carlsen uh, YouTube analysis videos, and the way, there, there's nothing new under the sun for these people. Because if you think about it, if you've played chess so much, like, you've seen every interaction before. And the things with openings and things like, Everyone uses them and uses their own variations of it. But as a casual player, uh, I never realized how by the book it was and that there is 
most of the time there is sort of a right way to go about things and then there is sort of a wrong way to go about things and that's a vast generalization but um it, it, it's also a very volatile game that's something else i learned in that um but once again ben feingold said this he said um a player doesn't lose in chess by doing 20 bad moves and the other person doing 20 good moves he said most of the time you're both doing really good moves and then one person makes a blunder and then they lose and the game's over so it's not like a majority of the time it's not especially when the pros are playing it's not like one person's destroying the other person or something insane it's like you you make one mistake and that's it and uh that's that's scary but it's a lot of fun and seems really cool it's to neat. me yeah i i have never played before this as i told you earlier yeah uh, i remember the first thing i did was i i went on to um uh, lichess.org. Mm-hmm. I made an account, and I they have like these little uh, mini games where you learn how the pieces move. I figured those out. I tried to get three stars and everything, and then I I looked up some common chess openings. I learned about uh, the Queen's Gambit, uh, the Rui mm-hmm. Lopez, and the Catalan opening. I liked the Rui Lopez and the Catalan opening because my dad is Spanish and he's from Catalonia, so I just thought it'd be fun if I uh, used that. I don't think I ever got there because I apparently the Kitalan opening is just not very good um Aww. if which I, it'd be like that sometimes Catalan yeah. the country kind of sucks too but that's beside <laughs> the point um I watched a lot of chess streamers I watched the Pog Champs uh chess stream uh chess tournament with all the uh prominent Twitch uh streamers mm-hmm. primarily Ludwig I like Ludwig's stream I wanted him to win but he didn't uh I watched a lot of Hikaru Nakamura I like his stream a lot, and the biggest thing I did to practice was I, I went onto YouTube and I typed in Ben Feingold Funny Moments. Uh, that was very, very enlightening, very helpful. Uh, <laughs> you learned a lot from that, ben, I'm sure. Ben Feingold is a funny guy. Uh, yeah. He's pretty He's pretty good at chess, too. Yeah. He's, uh, evidently, he's barely GM, which I guess is bad somehow. That's not the point. Yeah. Uh, so, coming into chess, it was pretty... It was. I played a lot of. Uh, played a lot. A lot of soccer growing up, and I play a mm. lot of melee nowadays. And chess is very, very different from those, because in soccer there's so, so much more variability uh, on good moves. Just because uh, you have to, it's it's much more difficult to make a good pass than it is to move the chess on a tech to move to move a chess piece on a technical level. Moving the chess piece is not hard. You just pick it up and you put it on the right square. Yeah. Uh, figuring out what the right move is, that could be pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, now, soccer, figuring out what the right move is, that can be pretty rough too. But then you also have to kick the ball, which can be really hard. Uh, maybe you need to curl the ball, so you have to put spin on it. You have to kick the ball in a certain way. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, And now you have some other guy who really wants to kill you over this ball. He's trying to take it from you. Yeah. You have to kick it in such a way to a specific point at a specific speed and distance and time is it raining that makes it harder mm-hmm. and then yeah so chess was much much more mental i felt like uh in soccer it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse how physical things are because if you make a bad move in soccer your opponents might not realize it as quickly if they aren't quite as practiced as you yeah and even if they do realize it maybe you can just outrun them you can outspeed them mm-hmm. uh, a lot a thing that i talked about a lot i played center back that's a defensive position I always told people, you know, I'm, I'm not the most technical player, uh, I'm not the fastest, but 
my positioning was always really good. So I could figure out how to position myself in relevance to where the ball is and where the other uh, team uh where the other team was, where my team was, I could cover certain angles and certain passes, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, melee is a little bit more similar to chess. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as much physicality to it, especially if you're playing a lower APM character. Yeah. Uh, it's it's actually it's a similar conversation to what I just had. Soccer. You know, it's a little harder to find uh, the correct option in melee when you have to make it. Yeah, but then again, it's a little easier to get away with bad options if your opponent isn't quite ready to punish them. Mm-hmm. But if you're playing, if you if you hang your queen or something, and your opponent can very clearly see it, then they just take the queen. It's yeah. a really easy move to make, and right. you'll see that I did make that at one point. Um, <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. It was very. I really like how. I really like the chess engines. Uh, from a couple of perspectives, from a competition perspective, I like the idea that there is like a correct way to play and a best right. possible move. Yeah. Because if you can find that, then you're sick. Yes. And I like that it's very clear like what you do wrong and what you do right. That mm-hmm. makes it so much easier to play with intentionality and yeah. play better. And I like that a lot. I agree. Um, and just on a on a technical level, as a professional computer science student, uh, I do. The, the idea of training a computer to play chess is fascinating. Uh, one of the biggest things I did for chess that had nothing to do with the game, I watched a documentary on Deep Blue, which was the, uh, the computer program that Gary Kasparov played against. And mm. it, I believe Gary lost, and it was this big watershed moment where it was like, machines are going to take over the world, <laughs> Terminator in real life. I don't think Terminator was around yet, though. Somehow they figured out Terminator. And I figured out Deep Blue. And Deep Blue beat Kasparov. And then Skynet, question mark, profit. Uh, moving on. <laughs> so and I remember Gary Kasparov talked about the, the match later. He's like, yeah, uh, it's like, you know, losing a Deep Blue is like supposed to be some big watershed moment. And now you can get the free chess app on your mobile phone and play an engine that's much, much stronger than it. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty funny. Um, so... <laughs> Coming into chess, it was in a it was an entirely entirely new uh, ball game for me. Yeah. The closest thing I played some Speak- board games before, but that was stuff like uh, like Citadels, which is a board game that I play with my brothers and my cousins, or uh, maybe Poker, which is not really a board game, but it's played on a table. I played Magic the Gathering, which and Hearthstone. I mm-hmm. played nothing that was like chess. I don't even know the rules to checkers. I never played any chess. I never played any checkers. And it is a, mm-hmm. it's a fascinating game. I really, I, that's the big, that was my biggest te- takeaway. That's what I researched more into than anything else were, were the engines. I just think the engines are really neat. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, something that was impressive to me was how fast people play. And that's something I, I caught yeah. on to very quickly because I, I watched some of the, the really good players play against each other and they could do it like, they just knew what to do and and for me and for someone who's just learning obviously this is a very difficult thing because um I, I i credit this to something that john bartholomew said so he's um he's a youtuber well he's more than a youtuber but he has a lot of youtube videos um talking about chess and he's very good at like simplifying it for people of um average intelligence such as myself but so what he noticed in or what he noted in his first video on um, chess fundamentals 
he said, in chess, you have to be constantly scanning each position that you have for weaknesses. And that's one of the most important things you have to do because otherwise you'll be susceptible to errors and you're gonna make a lot of flubs. And you're gonna give your opponent easy openings and then they'll just take, you know. And he compared it to um, unforced errors in tennis, which is something, um, I used to play tennis. Uh, I, I don't really anymore, but I played in high school. I was pretty good. But so I'm gonna be comparing tennis and chess a lot. They are similar in some ways, um, not really in a lot of, in most ways they're not very similar, but there were a lot of similarities that I found. So an unforced error is a, an error in execution that you make, Tristan was talking about this before, like execution is a very important part of soccer and melee. Um, and in, in chess, it's a little bit different because it's not, like he said, when you actually physically move a piece, you know, you can't really do that wrong and, and, unless you spaz out and like throw it across the room. But it, there, it, and everything that you do in sports and in melee, there's always these different little variables that are very frustrating to deal with because you can just like suddenly mess up what you're trying to do and then you're not able to complete um, the action, which is why I think that chess is such a, a good game. I think it's a great game to start with and then move into other things because you're focusing entirely on like the um, the thought processes you're focusing entirely on the strategy and you don't have to worry about those things because the other things are the things that um, are going to be holding you back in the beginning like being able to kick a soccer ball being able to hit a tennis ball that's what every beginner has to learn because and that's what you're going to be learning for years because you're never going to perfectly hit the ball and you're never going to perfectly kick and it's always going to be that there and you're never going to be able to focus on the things like strategy which is what chess is really great about um, doing but with the unforced errors it's when you just like it's like hitting the ball into the net like when you're playing tennis you wind up you hit the ball it goes straight into the net they didn't do anything to cause it all they did the hit to, was hit the ball to you and then you messed up it's your fault that's why it's unforced and so this is what most beginners in tennis um, is that they struggle is that the majority of games are concluded by whoever made the most errors and I found this to be true in chess as well and I said this actually when I was playing against Tristan, like at one point I, I thought to myself, well, you know, Tristan's a very, very beginner. I should just let him mess up. And it turned out that I messed up a lot too. And we both just messed up, but I messed up less. So then yeah, it worked you know. out pretty well for you too. Yeah, yeah, it worked out all right. But it that's kind of the, the mindset I was going about um, because it, and he said, John Bartholomew, going back to him, he said that the best way to play at someone at our level is to wait for the other person to mess up and to what what they call in tennis a pusher, which is someone who just simply gets the ball back over the net and you're so consistent that the other person eventually just messes up and that's the end, you know, that's that the end of the like point. That sounds like what I would do minus the consistency. <laughs> just, just swinging the racket, praying I hit it. <laughs> Please, smack. <laughs> so that's the important thing is like, and, and that's a, a great way he said to play chess is just like move your pieces play somewhat you know play pretty defensively people hate playing against pushers in tennis understandably because think of how awful it would be to play against it's like playing against a wall you just hit it and you just hit it and the wall never loses you know and and the ball just keeps coming back and you're like well Bro, eventually imagine if you beat the wall though you're a fucking legend <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like execution tests talking about melee it's kind of like an execution test in melee 
And that is which, um, you know, where it's the same concept. It's like you're forcing your opponent to enter a situation where if you can't physically execute, then they lose the interaction. And so a lot of people have distaste for this because it's, but, but in my opinion, I think it's a, vi a very viable way to play. Because if your opponent can't do the basic things that they need to do, then you should be exploiting that. And you should be the one that's yep. um, taking advantage of that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But um, anyways, to, to finish off this uh, little tirade I'm having, um, John Bartholomew states that you the constant scanning for weaknesses is hard for beginners, but it's completely subconscious for a grandmaster. And, and just really good chess players in general because they have such good situational awareness that they know the extent of their positioning and they know what can go wrong. And this can only come with practice. You can't just learn this overnight, like I said before. Um, exploiting your opponent will leave them open uh, for easy kills. It's a viable strategy. And just wait for them to mess up. That was basically the, the summary of everything. If you're starting out just like me and Tristan are, I would say that's the way you should play until you get to a, to a certain point. That's what you should right. go with. It's just wait for them to mess up and try to be a pusher, basically. I, I honestly do that in melee, especially versus Falco. I, I play Yoshi, and Yoshi can parry, as some people may understand. And I honestly just tell myself, it's like, all right, what if I just take center stage, crouch, and just wait for them to dare me? Then yeah. I'll parry them and get a hit, and mm -hmm. then I can convert off that. It's... Uh, this it's the idea of just like what is a beginner versus what is somebody who's played a lot versus an intermediate stuff like that it's yeah. like beginners just make mistakes right and the best thing that you can do as like uh, somebody who knows better is mm -hmm. just uh, it's just allow them to do that because the more that you do the more actions that you take the more likely you are to mess mm -hmm. up but the less that you yeah. take and the worse your opponent is the more likely they are to mess up and if you're good yeah. you capitalize you punish next stock Right. That's that's how it works a lot, you know. Yeah. Crouch cancel center stage. They laser parry, dash uh, parry, nair forward tilt, jab reset, nair down smash next next stock. That's how I've won yeah. like uh, hundreds of sets. Just wait for a yeah. Falco to do something, parry it, <laughs> get a down smash. Yeah. It's um it's see me in melee by the way, Chris. <laughs> That's another thing I I I thought about it afterwards. I was like, "You know what? If Tristan feels bad about losing, we can just play melee and he'll feel better immediately." But um Yeah. Unlike Chris, I don't have a wife or a steady job or like, things to do. So like I, have, I I've been I I grind melee. And honestly, I was going to grind chess and get better at you and then run it back, but then rollback and netplay came out. Yeah. My chess career is over. They Melee's you back, there. baby. <laughs> Slippy just uh, took you out on that one. But, yeah, um, sli sl Slippy prematurely ended the chess career that never happened. <laughs> I was going to be great, but then Fizzy had to go and flex on Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Fizzy. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about openings because I, I think that they're very important, and it's something that I think a lot of people focus on a lot. I'm Obviously, I'm not the person to be giving advice, but I am... A, a person who me. is in the beginning stages and can see I'm trying to see the I don't know what I'm trying to say anyways um, for for openings I think it's very it's very easy to get caught up in openings as a beginner because it's a very important part of the game that can't be understated the openings are extremely important because if you start out wrong you know it's like a serve in tennis I know I keep talking about tennis it's like a serve in tennis 
when if you hit them a lazy serve, then you're just handing them the point essentially. And so, um, but I, I quickly realized that just memorizing openings was only going to be sort of putting a band-aid over my stab wound, so to speak, in that I'm missing all of these things and I'm really bad at all of these things, but you know, I, if I focus on uh, openings, then that will fix the problem. And I, I think it's kind of, um, it's something that a lot of beginners do. So what I did is I went instead through puzzles because what I needed was this sort of like interaction. I needed to figure out how to, just how to play. How to how to how to play out the point instead of just practicing my serves all the time. So I went through the puzzles and what the puzzles do, if you I'm sure everyone knows what they are, but just to explain, the puzzle will put you in certain situations and you have to do essentially what is the best move in that situation, as in what will um, put your opponent in the, the worst situation and what can take one of their pieces. Most of the time you can get away with it's mostly just forking where you're just like you're putting yourself in a position where you can threaten two two pieces at once and the opponent can only save one. So it's like, here, I'll threaten your um, your knight and your king at the same time. Of course, they're going to move the king, and then I just take the knight, and you just keep doing that. And I got really good at that, admittedly. I will say that, that I am pretty good at forking right now. But that's like, and that's a good way to interact. Don't fork yourself. <laughs> Thank you, Tristan. Um, but I, I still, I'm still a little salty. <laughs> I think we can tell. <laughs> but um, I, th I think this is something that I'll, I think everyone should practice a lot of different things. That's what I'm trying to say. But essentially, I think you should practice playing the game. You should practice getting used to what I talked about before: the situations. Put yourself in those situations. You have to be playing all the time, and then you'll pick up on it. Because if you just focus on the openings you're going to be leaving 90% of the game out in the open. Not not to say to neglect the openings, but you get what I'm saying. Just go through, uh, learn your interactions, and get good at that before you try to memorize, like, you know, the different ways to arrange your pieces. Because if you don't understand why you're arranging them that way, then how are you going to understand any part of the game other than that? That's, that's what I'm... Going, going into it for practicing, uh, I tried to learn what an opening was. I learned the Catalan and the Rui Lopez, and then mostly I did uh, puzzles on Li Chess and on Chess.com. They have little puzzles yep. where you have to try to figure out the best possible move. So I learned some basic checkmate tactics, like um, let's say hypothetically your opponent castles, moves their rook out, and their king is behind three pawns. Then you have a really good shot at checkmating them with a rook or a queen because you can trap them on the eight or the one rank. Uh, stuff like that, I uh, learned how to uh, pressure things. You know, if you put pressure on the king, or you check him, uh, the king has to move or something has to move. If he can't uh, block it, or he can't um, take the piece that you're attacking with, then he will have to move his king. And if he moves mm -hmm. his king, you have free reign to take even more hardware. So you move your bishop in a certain way, pressure the king, the king moves. You don't get a checkmate, but you get a knight for free in the process, which is uh, those compounding factors of just stacking advantages on yourself. Uh, I think that a lot of the chess is um, the just the act of like taking as many advantages as you can, whether it's uh, center of the board, e4, d4 squares, whether you want to be in a good position, whether you can castle where your king is relative to where their pieces are. Uh, 
I noticed when I was like uh, watching Hikaru or Botez live or Magnus Carlsen uh, watching some of his games. He doesn't stream very often. Uh, when they were playing against good players, they very rarely uh, would take a decisive lead unless there was a serious blunder. Uh, they usually they would almost always be up like maybe one pawn or at the most a knight because the the great players are so extremely good at just mitigating risk. They're so good at not hanging their queen, which is something that I could learn, I suppose. Um, <laughs> moving on to my from my poor performance, uh, it was. Uh, I did a lot of the puzzles. I think I got up to like um, 800 on chess.com and 1600 on li chess for specifically for the puzzles. The only person I've ever played is yeah. Chris, uh, and it yeah. was it was a lot of fun having that. Like you get a puzzle right, you get some points. And you get another puzzle right, you get some points. It gives you a little mm-hmm. graph. It shows your progression. That's yeah. like crack to me. Yeah, um, that was fun. Better than crack, honestly, because I've done a lot of both. And uh, yeah, I mostly just uh, looked up openings. I did puzzles, and I learned some very specific endgame scenarios. I knew my only real winning play was to just not make any serious blunders and hope that Chris isn't as good as he, as I thought he was. <laughs> yeah, it, sometimes it just doesn't work out, fellas. Sometimes you just need to go back and reiterate the game plan a little bit. Uh, but Chess is getting super duper popular on Twitch it these is. days. Hikaru yeah. Nakamura is like one of the most watched is the most watched chess stream on Twitch. Yeah. For good uh, for good reason, I guess. He's the best in the world barring Magnus Carlsen and that's it. And Magnus Carlsen is a freak of nature yeah. that was blessed by God himself yeah. and I possibly to... also Satan. <laughs> I, th- I think we should touch on because there was a little bit of drama, and I wanted to put my two cents in as I always do because I always love Ben Feingold so much. Strong opinions, and I love Ben Feingold. So when I saw people coming after him, I was like, "What is going on here?" So I went and did some research, and I watched the clip of him. So he criticized Hikaru for playing with people who aren't very good at chess, but are very popular for playing video games on Twitch, and so. Uh, this this YouTuber, well, not really a YouTuber, but you know, a, a, <laughs> his name is Charlie Penguin White. But Zero. his yes, um, but his, yeah, I, saw, his I think I sent you this video. Tag is uh, critical. He he proceeds to make a drama video as he does, um, and he takes one side very strongly, and he says that elitism is rampant in chess, and that fine gold is terrible and the worst thing ever. He calls him Benjamin the whole time, which means he's never watched Ben's videos. And he proceeds to create more straw men than an Iowa cornfield. But he says Ben doesn't want peop- new people playing chess. That's what he takes from the video. He just watches that clip, and then he just goes, Oh, okay, Ben hates new players. Um, he And saying Ben hates everyone who's worse than him. Ben hates his wife. Um, and it just gets ridiculous, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, you're you're just t- blowing this way out of proportion. So um, Ben Feingold and his wife have opened a chess center in Atlanta to get more people interested in chess. All of Ben's videos are him talking to a classroom full of people, some as young as like eight years old, who want to learn. He's teaching people how to play chess, new people who are worse than him how to play chess. His videos are free on the internet to anyone who wants to watch them. He Twitch streams all the time. He has hours and hours of content that I have been learning. Um, I think I might have gotten banned from Twitch. I think I saw some. 
someone can fact check this. I think he may have... I don't think permanently banned, but he was banned at one point, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Well, he Twitch streams, like, a lot. Um, at he least also streams on YouTube sometimes, so yeah. Twitch isn't the only thing. Yeah. And so he has hours of free content that I've been learning... I've been using to learn chess, and I'm much worse than him. And um, I would encourage everyone to go watch his videos because he's a very good resource and honestly, he makes fun of everyone and it's really funny because he actually frequently points to the camera and calls the audience an idiot and uh, he makes references that the people at home are probably asleep or lost or don't know what he's talking about. And he makes fun he's of not, himself too he's constantly. Wrong, yeah, he's not completely wrong. That's the thing. So Hikaru, I, I watched his videos. I, he's he's up beyond me. It's just like, yeah, dog, you got me. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I'm just like, sure, uh, whatever you say. But um, um, but basically, uh, critical took a 10 second look at the situation, and he read some comments, and he said, okay. I'm going to press record and I'm going to get a million views. It's time to cash in. And this is just what Hikaru does by playing against these people who aren't even close to his level in chess. Sure, it's fun and it gathers more viewers into the community, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's pretty cool. But, you know, is this really a direction that we would want chess to move in? Um, maybe or maybe not. It depends on your own opinion. But um, me personally, going back to tennis, if I saw Roger Federer dicking around on the courts with PewDiePie... Um, I'd probably be a little bit disappointed, and I, I think, yeah, it'd be a waste of his skill, but it's it's not my say as to what he does. And so, if he wants to chase the bag, then he can't, just as Hikaru's doing. But And then Critical pretends that there's this huge elitism in chess, but uh, honestly, Ben was the only person who had this opinion, and the only person who came out saying this, and he isn't even popular enough for this to be a huge issue, in, in my opinion. You can't brand a whole community as elitist just by showing a clip of Ben Feingold saying that Hikaru's wasting his time. Like, Ben has in, dedicated his entire life to like teaching new people how to play chess. And sure, you saw a 10 second clip and you decided to judge the whole chess community on it. I'm just not having it. So that's... That, that is more of a response to what Critical said, but honestly, whatever, what people think about what Ben said is up to them. It, it really doesn't matter. But yeah, we're like a month late on this take. Um, yeah. But that's that's my opinion. What do you think? We're not, we're not the best at hitting all the trendy stuff. Yeah. But uh, I don't particularly agree with Chris. Uh, I don't dislike Ben Feingold, but I think he has some weird ideas. I think his main contention was that Hikaru Nakamura was playing with people like XQC, specifically yeah. uh, in order to, you know, popularize his stream as well yeah. as chess. and Chase the bag. Uh, you know, that's, yeah, chasing the bag. <laughs> and my contention is that there is literally nothing wrong with chasing the bag. In fact, there's a lot right with chasing the bag. There's Sometimes you gotta pop ahead to get that gamer bread. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, because if you think, like, more money into chess is so good for the chess community at large. If chess is seen as, like, something cool to do at school, uh, then, you know, there's just going to be more talent coming into chess. There's, in, in the long run, that will enhance the growth and the uh, level of play that the game achieves. Because you can imagine, like, Magnus Carlsen, eidetic memory, child prodigy, so smart. Wow, Magnus. <laughs> if you really think he's the only kid out there 
that's that level of genius, you're on crack. And the only thing that may be keeping another Magnus Carlsen out of the out of the mix is just the fact that he just never sees chess. Maybe there's some absolute boy genius, amazing chess prodigy that just never sees Hikaru Nakamura, you know, playing with some dickhead from Sweden. And maybe it's that dickhead from Sweden that pulls the chess community forward. Yeah. And maybe it's not the best thing. It's like this whole idea of like who do we want in the chess community it's like who do you i think the better question is who do you not want uh you know a lot of people talk about uh discrimination in communities and what they they always talk about discrimination as though it's some horrible thing discrimination is fine as long as you're discriminating against the right people now some people are going to hear that sentence and think oh boy this is what i want to hear no i'm not like that fuck off nick fuentes um you know if you if you are running a community and there's somebody who is a serial abuser who is making who is like making physical threats maybe you discriminate against him maybe if somebody is violent and is you know brings the level down does not contribute and actually makes people less safe at events maybe you discriminate against them Discrimination is fine as long as you're doing it fairly against people that deserve it for reasons that aren't, uh, you know, immutable characteristics. Discrimination based on age, gender, sex, race is dumb as hell. Racist, uh, you know, whatever is you want to put in front of it. I feel like that's my obligatory, I'm not a, t- I'm not a piece of shit sentence. But there is <laughs> discrimination that is just and good to do. Uh, you should discriminate basis on what the actions that people take, the things that they choose to do. How far you take that discrimination, you know, that's up to you. But I don't think it's... You, you want to focus more on who you don't want in the chess community rather than who you do want in the chess community. Because you, you kind of miss the forest through the trees. If you, uh, you if you get rid of people for superficial reasons, like, oh, this guy... You know, he plays a lot of video games, and he's a DJ, and he drinks 40s, he's loud, he's obnoxious, you know, then you're kind of just like, you're just leaving money on the table. There's nothing wrong with chasing the bag, but there's a lot right with chasing the bag. Getting the shmoney is a morally righteous thing to do, and I think if Ben Feingold realized that, then he would move over to our side, you know, and I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's against people moving into chess either. Like Chris said, he teaches people how to play. He, I, I, right. I watch a lot of his videos. What he he teaches kids. Yeah, he teaches a lot yeah. of kids how to play. The, the youth. And they're better than me. That's for sure. And I, and I wouldn't do that. I hate kids. <laughs> I can't stand them. Good on, good, good on you, Ben, for teaching the kids. I'm not doing that shit. I cannot stand children. Um, and you know, it's like the children are our future. You know, unfortunately. <laughs> and Ben Feingold is making that future, I don't want to say brighter, but I don't want to say darker either. He's making it a little more sarcastic and deadpan. Uh, I do think Ben Feingold would have a very promising career in stand-up. I think his bits are okay. I remember I, this yeah. one bit he did just killed me, where he's talking about a specific attack in chess. And he's like, this is called the Vlasivia attack, uh, named after Mr. Attack. And it wasn't it wasn't the joke that was that funny. It's a pretty like cut and dry, but his yeah. delivery was just per- was just excellent. It was so funny. I think that critical for the most part was uh, not necessarily super wrong about this. I don't I don't agree with Chris on this for the most part. Um, I, I know Hikaru Nakamura has mentioned that there is a lot of elitism within the chess community, and he's part and that of he, that, by the way. And he yeah, and I think he tries to distance himself with it. Um, no, he has done things himself. He's not. Maybe, he's not a saint. 
I, I don't know. I never. He, he I mocked John, Barth John Bartholomew off camera for not playing the way he liked. And he's told people that they're bad at chess when they beat him. He's accused people of cheating when they beat him. He's a salty I, dude. Magnus Carlsen's this, this the same is, way. He's a salt this lord. Is, yeah, I feel like when you're that good, it's hard not to be salty when you lose, I guess. Oh, so if now you think it's about, okay. I, I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just trying to make a point of understanding. Like, imagine, think about it like this. You're Ben Feingold, right? Yeah. How many hours have you put into chess? Millions. Like, millions. Like, then you lose. You're not mad that you lose What after you put millions of hours into something. I don't think it's necessarily right to accuse people of cheating and stuff like that and i don't think it's necessarily wrong to say what ben feingold did i just think that if we talked about it reached a greater level of understanding of each other's motives maybe this wouldn't happen uh Hikaru tristan Nakamura, is the true peacemaker <laughs> yeah it's just like maybe we should all just chill what if we like, all just got along <laughs> yeah what if we all just like sat in a circle and held hands and sang kumbaya i like that <laughs> that's an option that's an option that we have we could do that well that, that i don't know if i want to sit too close to ben feingold though <laughs> um what was i talking about yeah the chess drama i think the chess yeah. drama did the chess drama did exactly what i thought it would do it blew over and nothing came of it yeah i thought it was pretty weak at the most what ben feingold said like a lot of people took it to be a little bit pretentious yeah but the chess community is more than a little bit pretentious that's just kind of what it is how how it is every community where you like have people that are really good at something they're going to get pretentious i think that's just the natural course of events and it's not necessarily a good thing but you have to learn to understand it rather than just hate it i i, I disagree but uh we're almost done i mean yeah, I, we, we could this isn't the versus pot this is the yeah, versus season yeah anymore. <laughs> we turned it into a versus episode basically we we learned a lot about chess but we have so much to learn and tristan's quit now so he's never going to learn it but roll back net play <laughs> but magnus think... carlson can see me on the sticks anytime he wants <laughs> i will I think... destroy him <laughs> i think tristan and i are probably going to continue i'm the magnus some... carlson of the yoshi right. world fuck <laughs> right, with me <laughs> We're going to continue playing to some extent. We we might do another episode yeah, down I'm the not line actually, about I'm chess. I'm not actually going to give up on chess. Oh, okay, I only just mind. now learned like what it was. Like I want to see right, if I yeah. can get good. Like if I could get over like a thousand Elo points, that'd be pretty cool. Is that average? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm below average. So if I could get there. Uh, all right. So I think that's the end. Uh, we talked about a lot. Uh, we covered a lot here. If you're a beginner, just keep grinding at it. Um, I'm talking to myself, of course. And, um, yeah, just play a lot of people. Keep playing. Yeah. That's the only way to get better, honestly. Just play. It's literally a game. Yeah. And we'll see you guys next time. All right. That was Mountain Meditate. Yeah, Mountain Meditations. Yep. Uh, beat the guinea pigs. That's mm -hmm. us. That's us. All right. <laughs> squeak, squeak. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for watching. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>